Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and co-author and colleague, Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a program that we do live on Facebook and YouTube every Thursday at six o'clock Eastern time. And then it's available for replay on those outlets. And it's also available shortly thereafter on a whole bunch of different podcast outlets as an audio only replay. So we do this program because we want to take the information that we gathered over many years, decades, in fact, three, three plus decades in Nancy's case, facilitating pet loss support groups. And we put that into our book, The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. Well, because of this technology that's now available, we're able to give some of the learning that we gained over all those years to a broader audience. And so we're very happy to be with you. And we encourage you to dialogue with us. So please send us your questions, your comments, your suggestions for mm -hmm. topics, mm -hmm. your suggestions for guests. And we try to respond to absolutely everybody who writes to us. You can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com. You can reach Nancy at nsaxtonlopez, that's N S A X T. O-N-L-O-P-E-Z at csmpc.com. And we like people to know that this program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts. Dakin is a 501c3 community-supported animal welfare organization that provides a wealth of services, including shelter and medical care and spay-neuter services and behavioral rehab for more than 20,000 animals and people each year. It was opened in 1969 and since then has become one of the most recognized nonprofit organizations in central Massachusetts and a national leader in animal welfare. You can learn more about Dakin and it would be great if you could make a donation at dakinhumane.org. That's D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E dot O-R-G. You can also make a donation to support the work that we're doing with this podcast by clicking the link that's in the description and uh, subscribing. And also it would be great if you could like and subscribe to the program on YouTube. So I'll stop there, Nancy, and hand it to you. Well, we have a lot to talk about tonight, um, but I am a little sad today because um, what, 18, 19 years ago, we got Rosie and the year after Jack and, uh, they're little, they were little black pugs from two different places and they had babies, um, which was not planned. Um, but they had an Eddie, Hank, Molly, Gracie and Rocky. And unfortunately, Gracie died last night. And mm -hmm. so it's my grand, my grand dog, even though she was with a lovely family, but you know, she was so much, she was hard. 15 and, um, you know, it was, it was, it was sad and Hank has passed on, Rosie's passed on and Molly has passed on. So, um, but just wanted to mention that. Yeah. My um, condolences. That's really hard. Yeah. So I wanted to share. Um, but we do have a uh, kind of an interesting question that we're going to, to talk about tonight, yeah. Mike yeah. and Sam. Yep. So even before we do that, I want to thank Grant, Grant Taker, ah, yes. who sent us his wonderful book, 
Thank you. It's called Muggins. Thank you so much, Grant. The life and afterlife of a Canadian canine war hero. And it looks like it's going to be a wonderful read. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I certainly will. And we thank Grant very much for mm -hmm. the, the wonderful gift. And the it's a signed copy. And we also thank Grant for just being so connected to our program and dialoguing yes. with, us, with us over some time. So we want to get to a question that was sent to us by Mike and his wife, Sam. And so I'm going to read this so we can get the question out and the details out in a really precise fashion. So this is a, a note from Mike. My wife, Sam, and I are now at the point in our two pets' lives, our Bichon, Colonel, who is 16 and a half years old, and our small poodle, Toby, who is around 17, when euthanasia is a daily conversation. Toby is nearly blind and completely deaf and has been for approximately a year or so. So he can no longer get up on the couch or climb steps. Furthermore, he has bouts of whining when he's sitting on my lap. So I have to guess what his needs are. Does he want to be put on the floor to get a drink? Does he need to go outside? Neither Toby nor Colonel use the doggy door anymore. Or if he's on my lap, does he wish to be placed on his blanket or on our couch. And if he's on our couch and he begins to whine, does he wish to be sitting on my lap? So it's really hard to figure out what he's, what he's asking for. We rescued Toby from a dog pound along the Arizona Mexico border back in, in November of 2006. At the time, the staff stated they thought he was about a year and a half old. Toby has a great appetite, drinks water, goes to the bathroom regularly, oftentimes in our house, however, and looks forward to his daily walks. Colonel is the most special dog I've ever had. Came into our life at our lives at eight weeks of age in December of 2005. At 16 and a half years old, however, he has developed what our vet, who Mike and Sam make a point of saying is absolutely fantastic, has diagnosed as osteoarthritis in his mm -hmm. right leg and shoulder, excuse me, causing him to limp constantly. No signs of osteosarcoma, so he no signs of cancer. A couple weeks back, he began having a hacking cough along with an elevated temperature. Our vet, after reviewing radiology films and comparing to ones taken four weeks prior, thought she saw a nodule on his lung. She wasn't sure if it was cancer, and given his elevated temp, decided it may also be an infectious process. Mm -hmm. She gave him an injection of an antibiotic and a steroid and sent us home. The next day, Colonel's fever was gone, his elevated respiratory rate was normal, and the cough had pretty much resolved. After a couple of weeks on oral antibiotics, pregnisone, and a pain reliever, he's completely back to normal, with the exception of his limping on that right front leg. Because of that, our daily walks are very limited. Mm -hmm. They're just going outside to the bathroom. However, he too now pees and at times defecates in the house. His appetite is great. He drinks a ton of water. Other than that, he simply sleeps all the time, similar to Toby. My wife and I know it's getting close to that day for both Toby and Colonel. In fact, when Colonel had that coughing episode, which may have indicated cancer, and it still may, who knows, 
I went out into my frozen backyard in Colorado, dug through the snow and ice to create his burial spot in anticipation of what lie ahead. Our angst and why I'm writing this is the question of euthanasia respective to having both of our pets euthanized at the same time. As hard as that will be, it may even be more difficult to have to go through this twice, especially in light of the fact that we lost our 12-year-old cat, Stevie, suddenly on December 1st of last year, so very, very recently. What does the research say about this, if there is any? Have either of you ever been through this personally, or have you had others like us in the same boat? We are at a loss as to what to do. Both Colonel and Toby's quality of life has declined, as stated above, yet they're still eating, drinking, and sleeping a lot. He closes with, thanks for any advice or guidance you have for us, Mike and Sam Grill. So they have these two wonderful elderly dogs. Elderly dogs that they love so much. And they're watching, you know, the natural progression of, you know, things that happen physically to our animals as they get elderly, as they get older. Yeah. And yes, I mean, I've never, I personally have never had that situation um, to have, I mean, I've had elderly dogs, but they haven't, they haven't been in a situation as like this. Yes. Same same with me. I've had elderly dogs and elderly cats, but not simultaneously seeming to be right at the point where we're making, we're having to make that decision decision or thinking about making that decision for for two of them. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting dilemma. I mean, it's gotta be very gut wrenching because you know, you're waiting, you know how this goes, right? I mean, I was talking about my Jackie tonight who's having trouble walking. And so, you know, you're, you're going through this anxiety every day about, okay, when, when is this going to happen? Um, Now, you know, I have clients and I, you know, uh, use the quality of life scale for for Mm -hmm. dogs Mm -hmm. or cats, you know, and, you know, to kind of guide people as to when euthanasia may be recommended. Um, And there are different categories. Um, You know, the, the Colonel and Toby are eating and I think they're eating and, and they're sleeping. They're eating, they're drinking, they're sleeping that. a lot. All older dogs sleep, yeah, sleep a, lot. a lot of the time, actually. That's been my experience. They just, when they're not eating or drinking or engaged in a walk or some play activity, they conk out. That's been mm-hmm. my I mean, dogs sleep a lot of the time anyway. Anyway, but it certainly increases with age, right? Um, But I also think that that what uh, Mike had said that they're they're drinking. Now there are medical issues, and there is a mobility issue. I think I think it's with Colonel. I think, Um, but you know, so I can understand their their anxiety, you know, around who what's going to happen and we've had situations right i think we had one last week that there were the cats right and and they were all ill but one all of a sudden got ill and died and that wasn't the one that she was, was anticipating to die yeah. you know so um you know it's let's, a good question yeah let's let's first of all 
we don't we're not aware of research that addresses right. this we, particular we, we've never dilemma. Seen any research. So we just want to make that point clear. Secondly, I'll we're going to go into another story that's similar, but but I want to just give a couple of thoughts. One of them is I'm wondering if Mike and Sam are using doggy diapers because that might help to manage the fact that they're peeing and pooping and all over the place. I mean, that's incredibly challenging when dogs degra oh, yeah. degrade their, when they, when they're not able to be house trained anymore, that's really very challenging. So, so if they're, I assume they probably are, but I just want to mention those exist in case they're not using them and they're not, they, they hadn't uh, gotten that recommendation previously. The second thought that came to me when I was looking at their story is they have a very trusting relationship with their vet. Yeah. They said their vet is absolutely fantastic. And one of the things that I find myself doing when I'm in this such kind of a situation is I say to my vet, what would you do if this were your dog? Yeah. What would you do? And you get, in my experience, you get a very, objective answer. He'll say there, you know, this is what I see in terms of functioning challenges. This is what I see in terms of the potential for longevity from this time on. This is what I see in terms of the question of whether or not they're suffering. And here's what I would do. And then, and then my vet has, my vets have said things like, but of course you have to make the decision because you of love course. them. Right. But I have found that to be very useful because what I get is the most dispassionate clinical assessment and recommendation that I, that I can believe in, that I can trust. And that's really, really important. And then the other thought that comes to mind for me is, and if these were my dogs, I would probably be thinking about them in very individual ways. Like I'd probably would be thinking about and taking at them as individual cases. Like where is Toby in the progression or the balance of suffering versus the pleasures of living? Right. Is he suffering more than, than he's experiencing the pleasures of living? Where is Colonel? And I would tend to look at it individually. And the, and the reason that I think I would look at it individually is because I would be very concerned about euthanizing them together and then feeling bad that maybe one of them was in a different state and could have lived a bit longer with some degree of pleasure than the other one. That so those so that would be my that, those are my first thoughts, I guess I'd say on this. Well, and this is a, a unique situation, right? Because yeah. I don't think it necessarily happens happens that often. Right. Um, although, you know, when you have animals and you get them all at the same time, or you yep. have babies like like Rosie and Jack did, and they were all about the same age, you know, it could ha it didn't happen for me, but it has happened, I'm sure. Um, I uh, reached out last night. I talked to Mike and uh, reached out to someone I worked um, a lot with over some time last year. And her, I asked her if I could share her story. Mm -hmm. um, and her name's Barbara. She's a lovely woman. Um, and she had Penny and Petey. 
and she loved them desperately and they loved her and they were elderly. Um, and they were, they were cats or dogs, two dogs, two, two dogs. dogs. Okay. One was, you know, it's hard for me. I have their pictures here. I know one's a, um, a cavalier, I believe, oh, but the other one looks like a little kind of a Brussels Griffin, but Barbara, if you're listening, sorry, I, I, I don't remember exactly, but they're beautiful do little dogs. They were beautiful <laughs> little dogs. And so what happened is Barbara said, absolutely, you can use my story. Um, and so I told her that we have gotten an email and, and this was the dilemma that this couple was, you know, thinking of euthanizing um, both of their, their elderly dogs together, but they weren't sure. And so I'm going to read it because I couldn't say it any better than she could. Um, oh, how sad. Hi, Nancy, please feel free to use my name, anything, hoping my situation can be a help in some way to another pet family. I'm very glad they passed together. She did choose mm. to euthanize both of them together. I'm very glad they passed together on my lap, laying next to each other on their comfy bed. They were companions, so used to the other's presence all the time. The last two years, I wondered who was going to pass first as they both had issues. I feel it would have been cruel for the one left behind. So old, confused without the other. Penny would have been gone in a month if she stayed behind just to give me comfort and then me having to go through that again. I wrapped them up in their favorite blankets and buried them together. What I would do differently is spend time alone with them after they passed. A good amount of time to hold them, do whatever, cry, pray, be thankful for the gift of having them as long as I did. I did not take that time. I felt rushed because there were other people around. That's, that's what her story is. Yeah. Um, and let, let me just add some comments from Mike. So Mike has been sending some comments. He says, thanks for helping us today. Our vet has offered, even offered to come to our house when that day comes to do the euthanizing process. And he says, interestingly, Toby would be absolutely lost without Colonel. Colonel would be okay without Toby around, especially since we had Colonel for about a year before we found Toby. But it doesn't sound like they're, that, that's an interesting situation. One would, one needs the other, but one doesn't. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm sure it's they a love each other. They're, right? they're, they're well, or different dogs, different breeds, different personalities. But and for that's Barbara, exactly what Barbara said, right? Yeah, but for she, Barbara, they were best friends. It sounds yes, like these they two were dogs. connected. Yeah. Right. So I think it becomes a matter of personal choice. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a right or wrong answer. I think it's got to be, you know, decided you know, between Mike, you and, and Sam mm -hmm. as to what you feel is the best thing to do with your veterinarian's, you know, input. Um, and I understand. I mean, when we had Lulu and Fred um, and Lulu had uh, cancer and Fred, they were both almost 15 um, and uh, pugs, you know, pugs and Frenchies. And uh I, we were told that Lulu would only last six months and to the day she hmm. had seizures and vomited and we knew, and we had, to, we took her to be euthanized that day. 
um, Fred had licked her the entire day. <laughs> he had never done that. And three months later, he had died. And I all, I, you know, I wrote in the book at Abby, Abby Glenn, you know, I said, I know, Alulu, that you called him to come because they had been together for yeah. 15 years. Yeah. And so even though he had medical issues, he wasn't, we didn't believe to the point of euthanasia. However, you know, she, she did, you know, she did need euthanasia at, the, at that time. And then a few months later, he died. And so same with my Isabel and Abigail. Isabel died June 18th or sorry, June 19th, the day before her 16th birthday, very precipitously, although she had been very sick and we were treating her for a few years for her congestive heart failure. She hadn't been in any particular escalation, just went into crisis and died. And then Abigail died August 24th. Yep. So just a couple months later, very unexpectedly. I mean, she seemed to be in very stable health. We we're not treating her for anything. She was over 16. Isabel was just about, as I said, to become 16. But it 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 did seem my husband Tim said that Abigail just decided it was time to go. Yeah. That's the way it appeared. Did Isabel call? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean yeah. I, I really believe that that uh Lulu did not want to be alone without without yeah. somebody. But it's interesting when you when you describe Barbara. Barbara was so deliberate about this. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you said, which I would be concerned about with with this uh, euthanizing together, I, my question for myself would be: Am I going to feel guilty mm -hmm. that I made the decision to let them both go, and maybe it wasn't the right time for? both of them, but she, she had was worked adamant. this through and she was absolutely yeah. certain she experienced no guilt, which is okay. rare under every, almost, it almost never happens under any circumstances, but she experienced no guilt because I think she, it sounds like she had talked it through so much that she was hundred percent certain this was the thing to do. This was what they needed, yeah. right? Not what this she what needed, needed, but what they needed. Yeah. Yeah, that's really the, the the important way to put it. It was what they needed, mm -hmm. and it would it would be suffering for either of them to not be with the other, to not be with the other, to and to continue without the other. And we don't know. It, it sounds like with Toby and Colonel, that's a little more in question. And also, it's it's hard to know where they are in terms of their need to be released from from their suffering because they're still functioning. Well, they, they are. Way. Yes. I mean, they're on the scale probably. I mean, it doesn't appear that they're eating, they're drinking. Do they have better days or, or not? Um, some of the mobility, I think, you know, for one of them is, is a little, is a little difficult, but that's been there for a while. Um, then are they in pain? It doesn't sound like there's pain, although limping, I don't know, you know, if that would have some pain involved with that. Yeah. Um, but those, those are kind of, are they happy? You know, and it's hard to tell. And sometimes when they're elderly, because they do sleep so much, so yeah. you're thinking, are they just lethargic and don't want to be here? But, um, but that's pretty normal. So can, uh, can you mention the, the, 
scale again? I know we've got it linked to it earlier, scale. the quality of life scale. Well, there's many of them out there now. So mm -hmm. the one, and I can't remember which one I, I use, but it's pretty simple. Um, and I think it's under these, um, one of the big um, vet hospitals uses it. Um, it was done many years ago by a veterinarian, but it, it talks about it talks about uh, pain, mobility, um, good days or bad days, um, hydration, uh, eating. Um, Boogie's here, sorry. Um, and I can't. Let's see the other one. I think there are only like six. Maybe you could. Maybe you could send it to me. Yeah, and you, you and could send put it, it to Mike. And I'll post it. Uh, I'll put it as a as a link on the description for this right. program once you send Absolutely. it. Absolutely. When we get off, and 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 it says scale from one to ten. So ten mm -hmm. being the worst, you know. And so if you have um, over a thirty five, I think it's over a thirty five, then it's probably time. I mean, that's 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 an indicator that there's many things going on. Yeah. So, and I think in some ways that's pretty helpful for people because you, yeah. you don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the idea of having some kind of dispassionate, objective measure can be helpful. Yeah. I mean, to, and it also depends on your your temperament. So that I tend to be more emotional than logical about these things, but it wouldn't hurt to have that. And, and yes. that's again, why I would always ask if, if I trust the veterinarian who right. I'm working with, I would ask their opinion as well. Yeah. I mean, the veterinarian really needs to be, you know, included, obviously, if hopefully that your veterinarian, you do trust, I mean, that would, yes. be, that yeah. would be helpful, obviously. Um, and, or, and do, and, and talk to people. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, chat rooms and so forth or websites or Facebook groups that can, that can offer some information. I mean, you have to take some of that with a grain of salt, but, yep. you know, yep. that's. But, but one of the things I, I just want to say is it's really clear that Mike and Sam are very loving people yes. who give so much their to their animal mm -hmm. companions and that, they're not going to go wrong no matter how yeah. they do this. They're not going to go wrong because they're people who operate from a place of deep caring and empathy and understanding. So I, I just want to make that point. There's no, they're, they're get, whatever no decision they make is going to be the right decision. Exactly. There's no two ways about that. And they, and Mike is actually saying the scale would be awesome. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, there, we really appreciate them reaching out to us. Yep. And this, this was a very uh, important and interesting question. Yep. Um, and it, it, I mean, look, you look at, it's not easy to make a euthanasia decision anyway, yeah, you never know, easy. No. any, any animal at any time. Yep. Yep. Um, and to have two of them that are kind of in the same space you know, uh, obviously that's, you know, that has more impact. Yeah. Um, so we thank, we thank. We Mike. thank you. And we, and Nancy, I'll look forward to talking with you again next week. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.